Welcome to Around Each Town with Simple Elegance. I am Mary Scally, your host and the owner of Simple Elegance Professional Home Staging and Interior Design. This podcast digs into the positive benefits of living in Houston, Texas, as well as what our current real estate is, tips on selling your home, the benefits of staging your home before placing it on the market, and great things happening in Houston. We are so excited that you have joined us today as we speak to prominent Houstonians. Hey Houston, we are back with another episode of Around H-Town, and I am Mary Scally, your host. And today we have one of my beautiful friends here. Her name is Lori Wilson. We actually call her the Italian Barbie. She is just gorgeous every day I see her. Um, but she's with First American Title. And Lori, why don't you just start us out with um, why First American Title, how you got into the title business, and what what do you do? Well, I actually work for the home builder division of First American Title, which um, is very different from the branch locations that many people might be familiar with, where if you are buying a resale property and have a realtor, um, that's where you would go to close on your home and get your keys to your new house. We only work with um, home builders, and we close only new construction properties. So home builders are actually my clients, and uh, they come to specified branches where I have a team of escrow officers that's specifically trained to work with home builders and residential developers on land uh, transactions, lot takedowns, and then the actual home closing with the buyer. So we are the extension of the home builder as their title company. That's awesome. So now how do you find new clients? What do you have to do to find new builders? And Well, a lot of times it's word of mouth. It's definitely a very uh, relationship-driven business. Mm-hmm. Most of my builders um, have been uh, in division president positions for a length of time, and then they might move over to another builder. Um, I am on LinkedIn. You can uh, find me there. Uh, I use LinkedIn often to see movement within the industry where a division president may have been and where he is now and if that's a good relationship then certainly um, you know I'll be calling them to say uh, you know I'd love to bring you on as a client in your new role and what can we do to help you and your buyers have a better and seamless closing experience so I do a lot of business development um, that way as well as um, I am a member of the GHBA the Greater Houston Builders Association I have been since 2003 serving on both the Sales and Marketing Council Board of Directors and the GHBA Board of Directors. So I do hear a lot of industry chatter about movement from one builder to another or someone new being transferred in from a builder who does not build in our market. So I do uh, learn a lot through all of my uh, close contacts in the industry. That's awesome. And so this year, how has COVID affected that? Well, COVID has been a bit of a surprise for the new home construction industry. We've noticed a lot of uh, activity that wasn't planned to happen. Uh, and by that, I mean, we I'm sure everybody thought um, home sales would plummet. Mm-hmm. Uh, people wouldn't want to buy a new home and they'd want to stay put. And it's been the exact opposite. Uh, people who are living in a, a home that's too small, Um, who has thought about moving, um, they've amped up those plans because now they're thinking, I need a home gym, I need a home office, I need a bigger yard for my kids. 
Uh, so that's kind of precipitated a, a move where one may have been delayed. Also, people like new construction homes because they are new. No one's lived in them. Mm-hmm. So they feel like it's a healthier environment, a cleaner environment than buying a resale property and having to have the entire home disinfected before they move in. So new home construction has benefited in, in multiple ways. And, of course, the mortgage interest rates being as low as they've been in decades, mm-hmm. um, has really driven a lot of buyers to say, I better take advantage of it now before that changes. So COVID in that way has, has changed a lot. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. There's been, so some industries have seen so many blessings and then there's other industries that it's just been so sad. Um, but real estate, you know, at first when the whole COVID thing came out, it was like two weeks of what are we doing? What's going to happen? And then it just took off. And it's been crazy. Have you seen a lot of like first time home buyers buying new homes? We have. I mean, right now the sweet spot is um, say the 200s to the 350s. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a bit of a drop off when you get above 400, and then of course it picks back up in the lux- on the luxury end of the market, the higher end of the market. But what's really interesting, Mary, about everything with COVID um, is the technology that has flourished as a result of COVID. Mm -hmm. Uh, For example, um, you may have heard about e-closings or you may have heard Mm -hmm. about RON closings, which stands for Remote Online Notary Closings. Um, That that kind of technology, um, where once it was not embraced all that well, it was a very slow progression to to move to the next level in closing a home. Uh, Now, people are begging for it because Mm -hmm. it means very little contact. Um, we've been, uh, First American has done more hybrid e-closings than any other title company in the country. So what is um, a hybrid e-closing? A hybrid e-closing is the majority of the non-essential documents are emailed to the buyer about 24 hours before their closing date that was scheduled previously. That buyer at 12.01 a.m. can go online and review those documents, can e-sign those documents, which are then sent back to the title company electronically and are, are prepared and ready when that buyer comes to the closing the following day and they only have to sign a handful of documents with what we call a wet signature. And they're in and out in 20 minutes. Wow. In, as opposed to an hour to two hours. Correct. And so it really, really has, has changed the way that the title companies are doing business nowadays. Uh, a lot of lenders who were also dragging their feet a bit on accepting um, mortgages that were e-closed on the secondary market, a lot of them sell those mortgages. Now, there's so many lenders that are willing to buy those mortgages oh. that we're saying we're not ready for this. We don't. We're not. We're not sure when we'll be ready. They do have to have certain things in place as a lender prior to an e-closing being done. But once they have that ready, we have a platform of our own that we use called SnapDocs. We also just purchased a company called um, DocuTech which is revolutionizing the way that e-closings can happen and the speed at which they can take place. So we, um, we're a very progressive uh, company. We have a lot of technology tools that are available to our buyers um, and our obviously our clients that they find attractive. And that's one of the reasons they like to do business with our home builder division. Wow, that's amazing. You know, um, I, was, um, I did the Inman virtual um, conference this year. And one of the things that they said is, you know, technology, where it may have in the past taken, you know, five years, 10 years to get it passed, we're down to maybe 18 months. And real estate offices are changing like crazy. Um, 
So our titles, mortgage, it's mm-hmm. it's no longer business as usual. And I mean, we've all become so in love with Zoom and <laughs> spending our I'm days on Zoom. I'm a bit zoomed Zoom. out myself. <laughs> I, I'm fine with it, like when I'm talking with people. But like if I'm trying to listen to a class or something like that, I, I just, I don't have the concentration for it. That's. I'm constantly, I'm like, oh, I can do this work and I can do that work and I can get this done instead of listening to what I'm supposed to be listening to. Right. So, so we kind of talked about this before we started our conversation in here, um, but what does the average person not understand about the title business? Uh, one of the key things in the title business is to help a buyer understand the importance of what we call an OTP, which is an owner's title policy. Um, The owner's title policy is something that you would purchase at closing. It's based on a percentage of the sales price of the home. And a lot of people try to opt out of the owner's title policy. And what they don't understand is that an owner's title policy protects them from a future claim against the lot that they have their house built on. Let's say, for example, a long-lost heir comes out of nowhere after someone passes away and says, you know what? My great-great-great-grandfather owned that lot, and the title on the lot was never cleared. I don't know how the builder ended up with that lot, but they did, and it belongs to my family, and I'm going to put a claim on it, and all of a sudden now your home is in jeopardy. When you have an owner's title policy, you have a safeguard in place because the title company would have done an evidentiary search prior to closing on your home, and they will protect you in court. Uh, They will go in and and fight for you. They will go in and defend you. Whereas if you do not have an owner's title policy, you're basically on your own. And those legal fees can get very costly. Um, A a battle over property can go on for years. And it's really not a good place to be. When you think about it, we all have medical insurance, dental insurance, car insurance. And we may never use our car insurance all year because, thankfully, we're not in an accident or we haven't had any damage to our vehicle. But you would never dream of driving without car insurance. So why would you make the biggest investment that you'll ever make and not protect it with an owner's title policy, whether you ever use it or not? It's in place for the entire time you own that home. So it just makes sense. It's such a small fraction of what you pay. And to opt out to try to save a few thousand dollars, depending on the sales price of your home, it's just not wise. So we do counsel our buyers, are you really sure you want to do this? And they do have to sign off on that. They've really? been counseled, they've been educated, they've been told what the importance of the owner's title policy is, and that they chose to opt out. Wow. That's, like, I didn't realize that. I do remember, you know, when um, down here, title is just part of every deal. Mm-hmm. I do remember in Massachusetts when we lived in Mashpee, which is very, very much an Indian reservation, still kind of, I'm pretty sure, with majority of people are Indian. And my husband was very, very much about, we have to have title here just to make sure that it's mm-hmm. our property, you That's know, exactly and right. so, mm-hmm. um, and I think it is, it's, you just never know. And it's, those are the, I mean, talk about headaches, yeah. you know, that go on and cost the legal fees, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. The stress of having to defend yourself in court and say, no, this is my home. I'm sorry. Right. You know, we live here. And, and somebody else says, well, 30 years ago, it wasn't your home. It was right. our home or yeah. it was our land or our lot whatever um, the case may be. So it's just it's just something to think about when you close on a home mm-hmm. to not take a chance. Right. Um, sleep better at night knowing that you're protected and let the title company go in there and defend you if necessary and right. pay all those fees and legal costs. Right, because the title company is the big person. Right. They're supposed to the little mm-hmm. person that we are. 
Right. And the title company, part of their job is to do a title evidence search prior to you closing on your property. And if for whatever reason, the chain of title was not clean, uh, that's on them, not on you. But if you don't have an owner's title policy, it is on you. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Now, what differentiates First American Title from other title companies? Well, First American Title has been in business since the late 1800s. We're one of the largest title companies ever. Um, We have multiple divisions that do multiple things, but we all work together. We are a worldwide company. We are traded publicly. Um, We have our home builder division that is nationwide, which a lot of other home builders may serve a builder, but they don't serve them nationwide. We have specified branches that are dedicated only to working with home builders. And that's what makes us different, and that's what makes us good at what we do, because in our world, builder is king, you know, 24-7, 365. Mm-hmm. We are not, um, we do not close transactions for commercial business in our builder branches. We don't close resale transactions. We don't close refis in our uh, builder branches. They are specifically dedicated to the builder, and we know how to work with HOAs on issues mm-hmm. on closings, and we we, uh, we know how to get things done on the land side, on the lot sellout side, with a team that has been specifically trained to handle those things, and it's not a secondary responsibility like it is in a resale branch. So it's your, this is what you do. This day is in, what we day do. Out, day it's in, day out. Home builder, home builder, home builder. <laughs> <laughs> One right after the other. <laughs> right. What are some of your greatest challenges? Um, educating the consumer on the owner's title policy is always a challenge, but some of the other challenges are, um, you know, trying to get an appointment with a builder who might have a pain point about working with their current title company because perhaps the builder has outgrown the title company, or perhaps the builder uh, has their own in-house title entity, and they've discovered how difficult it can be to manage risk and to always stay up on compliance and as, as rules and regulations change. That's our job. We wouldn't go in and build a house. We tell them, don't go out there and try to do title. That's what we do. You do what you do. And if you hand off title to us and we're an extension of your team, um, it's a lot easier for you to go build more houses and make more money. And that's what you want to do. Right. So let us be your part. We're not a vendor. That's what I tell my, my clients all the time. We are not a vendor. We are a partner. And there's a big I difference. That. I love that. That's kind of how we look at home staging with Realtors is we are your partner. You make money. When you're selling and listing houses, you right. do not make money when you're staging your houses. Exactly. So do the big dollars and let us do the little dollars mm-hmm. and we'll make sure that those houses look great so that they sell quickly. That's what we want them. Mm-hmm. We want things going quick. Right. So I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, what concerns do you hear from home sellers? You're not really selling. You're you're totally with, with the new builds. Right. But what about what concerns do you have with hear from the buyers these days? Well, the buyers are always concerned about delays in construction. They're always concerned with easements and whether or not they can put a pool in the backyard. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of a big deal to put a pool in. (laughs) And we've seen a lot of buyers, uh, you know, discover that because of a utility easement or some other kind of easement, even an aerial easement that um, is is put in place because there are power lines too close to the yard. Oh. Uh, I actually lived in a home and uh, did not know I had an aerial easement until I went to sell it, and the buyer wanted the house very badly. They wanted to be close to their grandchildren and put in a pool, and when they found out I had an aerial easement and the pool was not going to be able to be put in, they uh, busted on the deal. 
Oh, so interesting. That's, you know, that's I've never heard of an aerial, aerial easement. easement. Right. So that's always a concern. And, you know, buyers are also worried about, you know, whether a home builder is, um, has integrity, whether a home builder is going to be there for them after the point of sale, how is their warranty program. Um, you know, they ask us a lot um, to give them a, you know, report on, you know, how many complaints have been against a home builder. Not really something we like to get engaged in, but we do get from time to time concerns from buyers. There is also a level of frustration when they come in to close with us if their lender doesn't have documents prepared in time and they have to sit in the lobby for three or four hours because things aren't ready. Mm -hmm. So we get, and because we're the ones that are on the end, we're the messenger right. with the keys in our hand. Uh, <laughs> we're the ones that get blamed for a lot of things that are not really our fault. Uh, and it's it, to explain to the buyer what the delay is, um, why it's taking so long to fund, which, we, which must happen before mm -hmm. we can give the keys. And, um, you know, wires get lost and things get delayed and there's lots of fraud out there, you know. Yeah, I couldn't believe the the fraud opportunities yeah. in title and how, yeah. you know, people hacking can literally mm -hmm. steal your whole deposit and it's gone. It's yeah, so and it and we've seen it happen and we counsel our and educate our, our home buyers um, as soon as they sign a contract with a builder who is a client, they get an email from First American that says, you know, we're your title company, we work hand in hand with the, your builder, and we are going to take care of you the entire way through. Here is a link to our secure portal. Please set up a username and password and communicate with us only through the portal, which is every message wow. coming and going is encrypted. And so, you know, if, if you send a message via your Gmail account, we can't protect you. Mm -hmm. If it's anything, and if you receive a message from someone, hover over the address you see in the email, chances are it's bogus. Don't, we will never change our wiring instructions. We tell buyers all the time, your wiring instru instructions will always stay the same. If you receive an email just before closing that says, send your money here, chances are it is That's a fraud. Bogus. It's bogus. Don't, and, and, what, and don't call the number on the email. Mm -hmm either call a, you know your trusted number this the number you've been call your realtor directly call your title company directly call your lender directly do not respond to any of that because they're getting crafty they're getting very very mm -hmm. smart they know exactly when to send that email to divert your right. funds which is and just before closing is so close to being correct that is correct could but be it's one not. letter wrong right correct it could be two l's in wilson so. instead of one and you right. might not notice you that would, you most likely wouldn't Exactly, but the Hotmail accounts, Gmail accounts are especially vulnerable to hackers. Um, you know, we use the secure portal to protect our buyers and to make sure that every communication with, within every member of the transaction, including the realtor, including the lender, and the builder, and the buyer, everything is in one place, mm -hmm. and it's manageable, and our, we, take a, we spend millions of dollars a year on cybersecurity. We have an entire building full of people at our campus in uh, Santa Ana, California, that do nothing but watch to see what hackers do. That's their job. Wow. And what we can do to further protect people who are within our secure portal from being hacked. So, but if you if you sit at Starbucks and you send a Gmail or a Hotmail to your realtor or they send one to you and you think that's who you're talking to and it's not, we can't protect you. Right. So that's really another thing is we're trying to educate our buyers. We have something in place to protect you. Please use it. Right. Wow, that's huge. I didn't even mm -hmm. realize that. I'm yeah. sure that Jim took care of all that because, you know, I don't do that <laughs> well, kind of I stuff. Well, I hope so, Jim. <laughs> anyway, okay, we're going to flip over to another just kind of random area. 
in your career, have you ever had a failure that you were just like, oh my gosh, but learned so much from that failure? Um, I would say one of the things, I, I wouldn't even call it a failure. I would call it a lesson learned. <laughs> um, I was approached when I was working for a company by a, uh, someone I knew as a manager in a, another market for the company I was currently working for. He had moved on. He had taken another job with a company. He called me one day out of the blue and said, I'm in Houston. Um, can we meet at Starbucks? I have an opportunity I want to talk to you about. I always meet with people. You just mm-hmm. never know. Because maybe I know someone who would fit the opportunity. Right. And this is my chance to help one of my friends get a job. So I always go on those, those coffee dates. And uh, I sat down and listened to what he had to say. And he was relentless. And he pursued me for months. And uh, I saw some changes on the horizon where I was that were not going to be in my favor mm-hmm. uh, as far as the way the business was being run. We were, we were about to be sold yet again. Uh-huh. So I thought, well, you know, maybe it's a good time to change jobs. And I trusted this, this gentleman. And I took a job doing something different than what I was doing. Um, and I, I persevered. It was very difficult. And I kept getting signals <laughs> that the company was in due diligence, that they were going to sell, and I was being told, no, that's not true. And I finally, after about uh, a year and a half, uh, got the opportunity with First American. I was referred to them um, by someone I knew who was working with them as a consultant. Um, They offered, I I met with them on a Friday, and they offered me a job on Monday. I love it. So I, I left the opportunity I had taken a year and a half previously, only six months later to find out the company was sold. And they let all the employees go. And so I did the right thing. But lesson learned is, you know, sometimes things aren't what they seem. Sometimes Mm -hmm. a change isn't for the better. Even if you're in a situation where you're not happy in a job, um, I should have done a little more research and not Mm -hmm. just trusted this individual as much as I did. So lesson learned. And it also took me somewhat out of the home builder industry. It put me more on the realtor side of the industry. And home builder industry was my bread and butter, was my my sweet spot since 2003. So for a year and a half, I felt like I went to the dark side of the moon. (laughs) (laughs) And then I came back into the light. I heard angels sing. And uh, and it was the right move for me. And I've been Uh with First American for seven years now. So that's awesome. And it's listening to that gut because, you know, it's like your gut can just tell you so much. And it's Mm -hmm. like, is this, am I supposed to listen to this or is that, but when your gut is saying mm-hmm. mm, it's yeah. not what it seems, yeah. you have to listen to it. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, what about fear? Do you ever fear anything in your failure? Fear <laughs> failure. Uh-huh. I do fear failure. I yeah. I unfortunately Are you a perfectionist. I am. Yes. <laughs> I am. I'm very much a perfectionist. I always have been, and uh, I'm getting a little bit softer on myself as I get older. I'm my own worst critic. I'm sure you've heard that <laughs> phrase a lot. It would describe me to a T, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I. I am much harder on myself than anyone ever is, and uh, and I do I do really like to um, under promise and over deliver. Uh-huh. Sometimes that's not that's not um, you know the reality of things, and sometimes just doing a good job is enough. Mm-hmm. And you know I, I just I'm trying to be a little kinder to myself <laughs> when I when I'm not perfect all the time. You have to love the Lord. Yes, you do. You do. So that's good. That, I mean, I think a lot of people just truly. And snakes, Mare. I'm afraid uh, of snakes. Yeah, I am too. Mm-hmm. Can't stand them. Anyway, but fear of failure, you know, is, and it's like, I always say, if this is a barbism, false evidence appearing real is what mm-hmm. fear is. That's right. 
but it's that thing that is in our heads, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, who talks to you the most yourself, you know, so you have mm-hmm. to really watch what you're hearing and mm-hmm. is it a positive or is it a negative? So mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. What's a daily habit that you do um, sometime throughout the day that puts you in a great frame of mind? Every morning I sit down at my laptop with a cup of coffee um, and I post to social media. I post to my Facebook business page, to LinkedIn and to Twitter every single day. Um, I have um, Monday inspiration, Tackle Your Tuesday, Wednesday wisdom, a thought for Thursday, and on Friday I just do something funny. But um, I try to bring people into a good mood to start their day and that makes me feel good about my day and I do share a lot of industry articles I feel like I'm a resource to my my home builder industry um, professional network and I really enjoy and I get lots of great feedback and comments especially on LinkedIn from the articles that I do post that uh, oh I missed that one thanks and you know it's it's just a way to stay connected and it's a way to also raise your your stock your mm-hmm. personal stock your personal brand and your credibility in the market so that's a daily habit for me, and even if I'm, well, not right now, going, going, getting on a plane to go, go, to, <laughs> go to my corporate <laughs> office for a meeting, but uh, when I used to, I would be sitting in the airport, and I'd do it from my phone if I didn't get to do it before I walked out the door because I was catching an early flight, but I feel terrible when I don't post, and when somebody says, hey, I didn't see you post today, I thought, oh, darn it. let them down. Darn it. There's that perfectionist thing again. I dropped the ball. So that's something I do on a daily basis. That's awesome. We have tried. <laughs> we wow. have a, we have one for every day that we're supposed to post here at Simple Elegance, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, and Mondays yeah. are supposed to be mine, so I still have to do something. It's Monday minutes with Mary or something like that. There but, you go. There you um, go. But it's really you have to be dedicated to it. You do. And it's, you know, it I has mean, to be a habit. Social. It has to be. It has to become, and it takes forty mm-hmm. days mm-hmm. to make a habit. Mm-hmm. So. Who has been your greatest cheerleader? I would say probably my dad. Um, He's, growing up with him, I I look a lot like him, and I picked up some of his good genes. His name is Gene, so (laughs) that's a joke in the family. I picked up some of his good genes um, very early on. Uh, My dad had a photographic memory. I do as well. Oh, that's Um, awesome. It helped helped a lot in school. I could, I mean... I could tell you the answer to a question on a test, not just the answer, but what page it was on, and was there a picture on the page, and how far down which column did the answer appear? Oh so my gosh! That was a really great thing I inherited from my dad, and uh, his his ability to play the piano. Although he could read music, and I never did. I play by ear, and uh, it's some, just a little something I picked up. But he's always been my greatest cheerleader. He always had his his wonderful little sayings. You know, um, always learn to stand on your own two feet. And, um, you know, a mistake is not a death sentence. Mm -hmm. It's a lesson to be learned for future use. I love that. So he's always been my cheerleader. And, you know, disappointing my father um, was was also another big fear in my life. All he had to do was look at me. That's all it (laughs) took. Yeah. I mean, disappointing dad was not not an option. And and as old as I am now, it still isn't. Mm -hmm. And so he always made me feel like, you know, I, I did right. And oh, he taught me to it. always do the right thing. Not the easy thing. Do the right thing. Oh, I love that. My daddy used to always say, Mary, you're practically perfect in every way. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> oh. But you got to love a daddy. He's oh. just, 
Dads actually, are great. They are. In fact, um, today on Facebook, what popped up was a picture of my son, Jonathan, and my dad nine years ago, and they were still on a golf course, and mm-hmm. he's gone now, but, mm-hmm. you know, nice uh, love my daddy. Mm-hmm. So anyway, okay, as we wrap this up, in 10 words, how do you describe Houston? And if you have to go over 10 words, go ahead. <laughs> well, knowing how fast I talk, I probably will. Um <laughs> Well, I was born and raised in the Boston area. I moved to Texas 30 years ago this July. So I'm in a, I'm, this is technically, I think this is home. This is home. And I've lived, at this point, I've lived in Houston longer uh, than half my life. So mm-hmm. I consider Houston home. But um, Houston is just the land of opportunity. I mm-hmm. think that um, you can be successful here if you set your mind to it. Um, and it's not just one industry, the diversification that happened in Houston in the 80s has really opened the door for a lot of other industry to be very successful. Mm -hmm. And um, I do think that Houston has afforded me the most wonderful friendships. I still have no family here in 30 years. I'm the only one who lives (laughs) in Houston. So my friends, my GHBA family, people like you that I've met through the industry, you're my family. And so I think that there's a very strong sense of family here. And, um, you know, your friends are are your safety net they you know your girlfriends are your ride or die girlfriends mm-hmm. and um and I do feel like I've had the most amazing opportunities professionally um since I moved to Houston I'm not going to say it wasn't tough <laughs> those first couple of years were, were rough it was a culture shock mm-hmm. but um I would do it all over again awesome yeah. and Laura last but not least how can people get in touch with you People can uh, look me up on LinkedIn, and uh, you can also email me at lawilson at firstam.com, firstam for First American. Um, You can find me in the GHBA directory. I represent our company there. Um, Everybody at the GHBA is like a family member. They all know how to to reach me as well. And, um, you know, I don't want to put my cell phone number on the radio, (laughs) but but you have it if anyone calls you. Uh, I would love to hear from you. If you're a home builder and you're in need of a title company that's going to take really good care of you and make you a primary responsibility, not a secondary thought, First American's Home Builder Division for Builder is where you want to be. And I have three amazing branch managers and staff um, that will take care of, of all your needs as a builder and let you focus on going and finding another community to buy lots in and more houses to build. And that's what, what it's all about when you're a home builder. That's awesome. Well, thanks, Lori, for being with us today. And as always, I love spending time with you. And thank you, Houston. We'll talk to you soon. God bless Houston. Thank you for joining us today. If you would like more information about Simple Elegance, you can either give us a call at 877-458-8254. That's 877-458-8254 or visit us on our website at www.simpleelegancetx.com.